Hello, and welcome back to the Life Learners Podcast. So, we had all of the Geneva watch auctions take place uh, a week ago. I mentioned in the last podcast that I didn't want to cover them sort of piecemeal. I wanted to kind of cover everything that went, went that sort of happened. And interestingly, there was... Uh, <laughs> it was an interesting sort of auction time, I'll, I'll say that. Um... So I'll go over some of the highlights and um, maybe some of the interesting news related to the auctions. And then I also wanted to just talk briefly about um, GPHG, GPHG and the winners um, for, for each of the awards. So I'll start off with Philips. Um, Philips had a really nice lineup of watches. I think maybe at a high level I can kind of talk about maybe before we jump into Philips. I think what we're noticing is, at least I've noticed, is that um, the market for watches has become very, very concentrated on specific uh, references and the push for exceptional quality is, um, I think, at an all-time high. I think it's something that buyers have considered for a very long time, but I think it has become even more important during these watch auctions. Uh, Geneva was a very good example of that. I think there were some watches that maybe sold for less than what you would imagine. Um, others sold for more, uh, just based on the the absolutely incredible quality uh, of the of the pieces. So, um, I don't see that changing as um, the watch auctions for, for Hong Kong kick, kick off and then obviously New York next month sort of has their watch auctions. I don't see that changing, um, but um, it's something to, to consider and, and keep in mind as you sort of look at the watch market as a whole. So Philips um, had theirs. Uh, there were some really uh, cool lots that they had. Um, Interestingly, they unfortunately uh, lost their record of a, I think they had three years of white glove sales. Um, this time there was one watch that was passed on. And so um, unfortunately they, they had a sold, uh, sold, only sold 99% of their, their lots, but still did uh, a, a very, uh, put on a very great auction. 39 million Swiss francs was the sort of total value um, and I think everyone was just very excited to, 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 to have the auctions taking place. I think easily the highlight was um, a Patek Philippe Nautilus reference 3700 in platinum, which is the only known configuration of this 3700. It was a, uh, there was a lot of bidding on this and, um, and, uh, you know, to have a platinum Gubelin signed uh, 3700 is, uh, you know, you're, you're essentially buying watch history, Patek Philippe history. So um, pretty, pretty incredible. Sold for um, 2.5 million Swiss francs. So um, I'm sure Nautilus collectors are very, very happy. Uh, they also sold um, two examples of a 2499 that was really great. Uh, there was a first series in yellow gold that went for two million. And then there was a, a second first series. 
excuse me, a third series with a buyer signature in yellow gold that sold for 800,000. Quite incredible that the, um, the buyer signed third series went for le much less than a first series. I think it sort of underscores the market's tendency to like the first series, but um, interesting result nonetheless. And they also had um, probably one of the best 6062s in stainless steel from Rolex. Uh, it really was in, in incredible condition and went for over 2 million US dollars, in, or excuse me, 2 million Swiss francs, which, I mean, makes sense uh, when you, when you, um, when you look at the piece, see the condition, I mean, the photos are incredible, um, and uh, some really nice lots there as well. Philips has released their auction catalog for the New York watch auctions. I've covered a couple of them on, on our Instagram, but I'll leave a link in the show notes to um, their press release for the Geneva auctions, and then I'll also leave a link in the show notes to their um, to the New York uh, watch auctions, so you can take a look at some of the lots in case you're you are interested in um, in seeing seeing uh, you know what's coming up um, what's coming up for uh, for sale. Obviously, it's um, you know December is always kind of a nice time because you you know it's um, it's a it's you you're getting into the holiday spirit. It's a nice way to end the year, etc. Um, I wanted to move on to Christie's where there was a ton. <laughs> Some really interesting sort of drama related to the Christie's watch auction. So I'm going to leave a link in the show notes to a really great Hodinkee article that sort of summarizes this really well. Um, but basically, um, there was a, the, the single owner sale for Mohammed Zaman's collection um, started uh, about an hour late. Um, what was really interesting is then Christie's basically said, we're revising all of our estimates up. Um, and um, then we were also told that the there was a third party guarantee on every lot, um, which is something that you don't typically see in um, in watches. It's, it's really, really common in the art world. Um, it's basically a way that you can, it's a financial instrument where you get a third party to guarantee or a guarantor agrees uh, to a minimum sale price uh, for a lot. So in this case, they agreed to a minimum sale price for every lot um, at, the, at, the, at the auction. If the lot doesn't receive any other uh, bids uh, above that minimum, the third party pays the price and then takes uh, the lot. But um, and, and for doing this, um, the auction house or Christie's would pay a third party fee. The third party also typically takes a cut of any profit if the guaranteed lot sells for more than the agreed upon price as part of sort of the, the deal that they've structured. And so it's the, using this in, in this auction is quite interesting because it increases, um, it basically says, um, basically says yep this auction will be liquid and the market will be liquid for these for these watches um it was quite interesting because um in late uh, it was basically apparently um the night before a third party from the u.s approached them um if they would consider a third party guarantee and um 
they had to work all of that out and they only were able to finish off that deal at about 10 a.m. the next morning. And so the, obviously the um, auction was, was late accordingly. It's a little bit suspect. I, uh, there's a lot of memes kind of going around about um, paddle number uh, 1013, which I think was basically the guarantor. Um, but they did have some really nice lots that they sold. Uh, there was a Petit and Grand Sonnerie number one by Philippe Dufour that sold. Um, it, it was sold for about five, over 5 million Swiss francs. Marlon Brando's 1675 um, also sold. It was, this is a watch that sold, I think, back in, um, back four years ago for um, 1.95 million uh, US dollars. And it's quite interesting because I think there was a little controversy on whether or not this watch would get the attention that it would after four years. You know, you have to, <clears throat> you have to generate some, some interest in it, you know, uh, but it did really well, sold for 4.5 million Swiss francs. So, um, I think the, the market for rare Rolex is still, still there. There was also a really amazing George Daniels number zero, zero and platinum, um, that sold for 1.8 million Swiss francs. Uh, and then, um, there was also a platinum jumbo Nautilus reference 3,700, with diamonds, uh, I think hour markers, and they gave her a bracelet uh, that sold for 1.6 million Swiss francs. Really, um, some some great lots, a little bit of controversy, which is always difficult to sort of go through. Um, there was also a really cool um, Cartier London dice that sold for 138,000 um, Swiss francs. These were made in very, very few quantities. I think I've only seen a couple of them. Of them. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's a fairly small watch, but a very unique dial. And I think that's really what, um, what did it for that, for that lot. There was also a really incredible, uh, Cartier bamboo. So it's this, um, yellow gold Cartier that, um, that has this really interesting case design that makes the, the outside of the case kind of look like pieces of bamboo. And that's all for 50,000, um, Swiss francs at Antiquorum. What was really interesting is that I mentioned uh, on my Instagram, and I think, I think I also mentioned it on one of the podcasts. There was a fifteen eighteen, um, Clarine Mustard, that had well, it was a pink on pink fifteen eighteen. Uh, only fourteen pink pink on pinks are known to have been produced. And it had this integrated bracelet. And I thought that was such a unique... First off, it's a 1518 pink on pink. But it was a very unique, um, you know, watch with the bracelet. Uh, but it was a, it actually uh, was passed upon. Um, I found that to be, um, yeah, kind of interesting. Uh, not something that I would have expected. It was at Sotheby's. Um, and uh, yeah, it just didn't, didn't have solding. I thought, thought it looked like it was in fairly good condition. The bracelet looked incredible. The color of the, um, the, the case was really nice. Um, I'm actually not really sure why that was passed on, if I'm completely honest. Um, but uh, hey, um, that, that, you know, I, maybe it had to do with the fact that um, 
there was some work that had to be done on this. Um, who knows? Like, I, I just really don't know. The condition report sort of described the fact that it was born on an integrated bracelet, but then the integrated bracelet was removed and um, lugs and a leather strap were then added. And then in 2004, Patek Philippe restored the watch to add the bracelet back. I, I don't really know. I think that's an interesting story, actually, to sort of describe it that way. But, um, hey, uh, it's another, another interesting sign for the, uh, for the watch market. So I'll, I'll finish up with, uh, with GPHG. Just wanted to talk about a couple of, of the uh, winners. I think it was uh, quite cool um, to, to see the, you know, the, the best watches from the year. That's what GPHG really is. Um, the Aguidor, the, you know, the best watch of the year, was given to the Patek Philippe Code 1159 Universal RD uh, number 4, which is a... Uh, it's a watch with 23 complications, grand sonnerie, min repeater, perpetual calendar, split-second flyback chronograph, and flying tourbillon. Um, I have always said, you know, I think the Code 1159, while the execution maybe wasn't amazing at the beginning, I think that it was an important watch for Automapique to, to release because it started the line of watches that they needed to release to push the brand in, in a different direction, not just be the brand that produces the Royal Oak. So it was exciting to see that get recognition. It was also great to see that Ben Amias was able to, the, the CEO who is um, stepping down, um, was able to to cap off sort of his time at Onomapigie with, um, with this, because it really was, I think, his creation. Um, I only want to mention one other watch, the men's complication watch, which went to the Butelainen World Timer. Uh, it is an incredible piece. I had the opportunity to meet Kari at Watch Time New York, and I had the incredible honor of actually um, being able to see the watch that he had on his wrist, which was number zero out of ten for the Butelainen World Timer. Um, and if you follow us on Instagram, I actually had the opportunity to put it on my wrist, which is, I mean, I can't thank him and Vanessa, uh, who's his assistant, for allowing me to do that. That was an incredible honor. And I'm so glad to see that he's getting such great recognition for what he's producing, because I do really think it's one of the most beautiful watches out there right now. One of the most beautiful world times for sure. Um, and... Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm a fan of MBNF. I know that Kari has worked with MBNF in the past, and it's exactly what sort of Max strives for, and I think it's a perfect case study for what he's been able to do for um, for watchmakers like Vuitton, and so a really great result there as well. All right, so um, we'll wrap up the podcast there. Um, plenty to happen over the next couple of days, over the next week, um, but... Um, Stay tuned for, for more um, watch news uh, coming up. We kind of just basically cover the, the, the week's watch news. So um, if you are not following the Life on This podcast, be sure to follow us so you do not miss any of our future episodes. If you are feeling generous and wouldn't mind rating this podcast, you really help me out. Check the links in the bio for more stuff from Life on the Wrist. With this said, guys, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. And until next time.